0: Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Barry Reliford about his work with learning and development companies and inspiration as a skill. Barry Relliford, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations podcast.
1: Glad to be here. Thanks, John. Yeah,
0: I'm excited to have a chance to chat. We uh, we have lots of connections uh, professionally and educationally. Um, both of us are, are alumni of Brigham Young University in Provo, and I know you teach there currently. Uh, I've taught there in the past, and uh, it's, a, it's a great place and a great place to teach and to interact with. With students, uh, so that's really wonderful. But you also bring so much rich um, experience, you know, with you, uh, and throughout your career, you, you've done so many wonderful things in relation to people development. Uh, so today, we're going to be focusing on learning and development within companies, and where what you've experienced, um, and then and then looking at people development um, more generally. And this idea of inspiration as a skill, I know you do a good amount of thinking and talking about that, so I thought that would be a fun uh, area to explore together today. Sounds great. As we get started, I wanted to share Barry's bio with all the listeners. Barry Relaford has a gift of engaging leaders and teams in an understandable, engaging, and actionable way. He has worked with leaders and teams from over 120 countries, his clients include InfoTracks, Tulsa Tech, Stratford Schools, Kroger, Procter & Gamble, Gamble Verizon, um, Pfizer Consumer Health, uh, and others. His vocation of awakening people to purposeful work began in his youth in Paradise, California uh, from high school where he engaged this, uh, the student body as a varsity mascot, that's super cool, by the way, um, through his undergraduate degree in human resource development at Brigham Young University, and on to his master's degree from Ohio State's business school. Barry continues to engage and enlighten everyone that he encounters. Barry is the founder of The Strength of Ten, a consultancy focused on inspiring individuals and organizations to perform meaningful and sustainable work. He was a co-founder and master facilitator in Franklin Covey's Speed of Trust practice and co-authored the business parable, A Slice of Trust. Uh, additionally, Barry is a Gallup Certified Strengths Coach and facilitator of Three Vital Questions. He serves on the board of the BYU Management Society and the LDS Publishing and Media Association. Uh, and I could go on and on and on about all of Barry's accomplishments and uh, rich uh career, history. Um, Barry, before we jump into our discussion today, anything else you want to provide to the listeners and by way of background, personal context? Um,
1: yeah, this is yeah. the kind of stuff, John, your mom writes about you, you know, so it's, uh, I, I think it's just more of I love people and have been fascinated with people most of my life. And so I just, am, I like to help people grow, particularly in the workplace. So uh, you know, all these things are really, I don't know, milestones are, uh, along that journey of uh, trying to understand uh, people and how to help people accomplish what we're here for. So that's, you know, I suppose that's helpful.
0: Yeah, well, well, well said. Um, and, and that's, we just, we share a lot in that regard. You know, I, I feel like kind of my life's purpose is to better understand people and to help people better understand each other whether that's within a family setting an organizational setting or what have you. And, you know, a lot of what we do, a lot of what we teach, a lot of what we research, a lot of what we do in our consultancies is not rocket science. It's, it comes back to kind of foundational principles mm-hmm. and, and just being consistent and working on developing meaningful, sustainable relationships with people, whether that be mm-hmm. with a spouse, with a kid, with a neighbor, with a, with a boss, you know, with with coworkers in the workplace. You know, it's it's about the 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 human connection that we make with people and and then finding ways to leverage the best out of each other to support each other and to maximize our capacity, right? And and within organizations, you know, there's a business case to be made for that because when you maximize the potential of your people, you're gonna be more productive and you're gonna lower costs and you're gonna increase innovation and and all of that and that helps the business be successful but there's the human element too it's just it's just about having meaning and purpose in what we do Mm -hmm. and and driving uh and uh, pulling out motivation from from doing that kind of work I mean that's that's what drives people to do their best work
1: absolutely yeah in fact if anything I think about it uh, as a calling I mean the work calls to us and uh, there are things we're passionate about. We have gifts that we want to give away that bring us joy to to give those to people. And so, the workplace is one of those arenas or areas of our lives where that can happen.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so, so I'm curious. You've had a rich history um, doing work with lots of different clients, lots of different companies. You know, perhaps any particular examples of places where you've worked where you, when you've been in the the people management type of roles or, or um, learning and development types of roles? Um, any, anything you'd like to share with us?
1: Um, at one point in my career, I helped run a company where we were, uh, uh, when I joined them, they'd come out of chapter 11 bankruptcy here in the US, which allows you to reorganize your debts to keep operating. And um, so I joke about, I worked for a nonprofit. It wasn't supposed to be, but uh, we weren't making money at the time, but we were able to operate and then uh, got profitable. We were a publicly traded company and I led a function uh, through the bankruptcy. They had actually shut down their human resources function. And I had just graduated with my master's degree and had worked in a great HR department at uh, CompuServe. And so it wasn't a greenfield situation where we were really starting, but it was kind of a, hey, how do we... We we got some opportunities here, and the term human resources was not very um, trusted, I guess best way to put it, in the environment. So we were looking for a name, and I was talking to the CEO, the founder, and uh, I said, you know, I'm not sure if HR is the best, you know, I'd spent some time getting to know people, and I said, you know, I'm not sure HR is the best thing to call He says, what do you want to call it? And I said, what would you think about organizational development? And he said, boy, it's kind of long. I said, yep, looking for the biggest title I can get. But, he, uh, but as we talked about it, it really became, uh, and my HR friends, uh, and we were doing HR, it wasn't like we were trying to mask or hide anything, but actually more of my OD friends were saying, hold it Barry, it sounds like you're doing HR stuff, why do you call it organizational development? And I said, besides getting a long title, I said, it's um, really about what we do every day is we help organize and develop. Uh, so we help to bring order to what's a challenging chaotic environment at times. And we helped people within it grow. So our mission was very much about creating a place where great people choose to work. And, that, and each of those words was precisely chosen. And as we looked at it, it was, um, you know, and I'd say to my OD friends, it's not just about doing surveys or groups, group work, yeah, we do that. But if you get to choose how you position your brand, your employment brand in the market, if you get to engage people as trusted partners and not just as hired hands, uh, who they who get selected how they get onboarded how they get compensated how they get performance managed um, how they get developed uh, how they leave the organization if you get to influence all of that that's really great work and so that's uh, that was the, the, my last kind of corporate job that i had like that but it was a uh, you know, it was a really great developmental experience And those seven years i spent at meditech were very much kind of like a phd in business
0: well, very nice. And, and I agree with you. I think, you know, I, I really bring a, an, an OD change management kind of training uh, development kind of a lens to HR. So, you know, I teach a lot of different uh, functional HR types of um, classes and I, I do that kind of consulting work too. But it all, to me, it always comes back to kind of these bigger picture questions. So even if you're doing something really technical, about the onboarding process or you're doing something technical about the performance management process or whatever, um, it's still about OD. It's still about um, leveraging the people and creating the culture and creating the overall healthy work environment where people can do their best. Whether that And that starts from the very beginning of designing the work that then goes into how you recruit applicants and screen applicants and hire applicants and onboard them and uh, train them and every you know it, it feeds into everything um, that HR does in my opinion. Um, and and I, I do believe that's how HR has shifted over time mm-hmm. to have more of that kind of a, a, a strategic type, type of perspective to all of these uh, more technical aspects. Um, but you still find leaders, uh, HR leaders, HR workers within organizations who kind of have the old school uh, mentality as it relates to, to hr and i think that's unfortunate because because then you you just you miss out and you lose out on uh, on the potential in terms of what what good hr good od can do for you
1: well one of the things john that underlies this is one's uh, view or beliefs about who are humans what what is it to be a person and that sounds very philosophical but as you know teaching ethics one of the things we talk about is philosophy and you've got a as a leader as a Oh, just a servant leader is somebody who's trying to make a difference in the world. You got to get philosophy. You got to think about, well, what do I believe? And when it comes to human resources or growing people, you got to think, well, what how, what do I think people are? What do I think it is to be human? And one of my influential professors at BYU was Terry Warner. Uh, Terry's done a lot of work that now has become the Arbinger Institute. So leadership yeah. and self
0: one of the most influential books I ever read as an undergrad student was uh, Terry Warner's the Bonds that Make us Free
1: yes, that's still one of my most powerful books i I was taking a class from, I had taken a Stephen Covey's last class when he was still teaching on campus and that was great and i uh, he was actually on the board of a company I worked at and one Saturday morning I was a manager in this company uh, and uh, We're up at Sundance, not far from here in Utah uh, or in Utah Valley. And I went to uh, hear this professor, Terry Warner speak. Stephen Covey shows up and he's ready to take notes. I thought, hmm, I knew Dr. Covey was a really good student, but Terry Warner came in and blew me away. So it's like, wow. And part of what Terry's work that's influenced me over the years, and I continue to come back to and think a lot about is what is, it goes back to this idea is who are we? What is it to be a person? And we can see people, and this goes into the work of Martin Buber and other philosophers, but it gets into, you know, do we see each other? I, I call it open and closed. Terry talks about in the box, out of the box. But you know, if I'm close to the humanity of another, or if I'm doing HR from this perspective, I tend to look at people as human resource units, which one company I knew of, actually they didn't have FTEs, full-time equivalents, they had HRUs. How many human resource units do we have? It's like, wow. Because it shows the belief behind it. And we see people as things, as projects, as objects. It's like my computer. When it doesn't work, I get frustrated. It's a machine. But we see people that way, as things. Versus seeing people, uh, and I, I call it the closed perspective, versus an open perspective, which is open to their humanity. You know, where we open to people have talents and gifts and passion and mission and gift and, uh, you know, calling, uh, they have weaknesses. We all do. We have We're foolish. We can be prejudiced, biased, weak, emotional, irrational, and yet so wonderful. And so when I think about human resources and org design and all that is, we really have to think about and and talk about for whom are we designing this? Because if we're not careful, we're designing it uh, for more of a control paradigm that says, well, these are things to be controlled versus people to be grown and it's not that we do it to them we create the conditions in which people can flourish
0: yeah yeah and when and when you have that kind of uh an approach towards um people within organizations people as as things uh to be controlled to be manipulated to be you know whatever um then it leads to exploitation, right? It can, Um, absolutely. Whether that's the intention or not. And that's, most people don't have that intention. Most people don't go to work thinking, I'm going to figure out the best way to exploit my people today, you know? But when we have that mindset, it just naturally happens um, because you just start to treat um, the people you know, just like you treat a piece of equipment or, or whatever, and you start to see them as replaceable, easily replaceable. And the the problem with that is that we know there's so much research that shows, um, you know, there, there's metrics around, you know, we have KPIs, we have the various Mm -hmm. metrics to understand how people are performing and the cost of an employee and all of that. Um, But there's so much intangible that comes from, from people within an organization that's really hard, if not impossible, to measure, but it's easy to see when it's flourishing. And, and we and it's that dynamic that happens, the synergies that happen as you have um, dynamic teams uh, mm-hmm. working together to drive solutions, to, to innovate, to to enhance you know, quality and, and productivity measures, whatever. Um, and you know that that's that's what we're we're looking for. And if we're just treating people as things we're not going to get there uh, because people aren't going to feel valued. They're not going to feel invested in. They're not going to feel seen and heard. Um, and, you know, they're, they're, when that happens, people kind of tend to do the minimum. They they tend to try to play it safe and 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 not make waves and just kind of get by rather than doing their best work. And that's not to the benefit of them or the, the organization.
1: Absolutely agree, John. And it's the thing where, Again, we can be imprisoned by our beliefs and our language, not to be snarky or anything, but even the term human resources equates people with financial or information or capital resources. And even when we say human capital, again, I know it's an HCI broadcast, but, and I think that's one of the things we're searching for in our culture is trying to figure out how do we you know, how do we believe better? Because uh, we don't want to be seen that way ourselves. And I agree with you. I don't think mo- most leaders I've worked with are really good human beings, but it doesn't mean we don't do stuff that we are unaware of and are unintentionally. And it doesn't mean we don't bring about harm. And we're seeing, you know, and when people don't feel like they've got a voice or choice, we will resist and we will do it in every way we can. And I think we're seeing that in our American society today and across the globe. So people are saying, I do not want to be diminished. And I don't want to be diminished either. And it's how do we create bigger conversations. Reminds me of this, it's not great poetry, but it's Edwin Markham who said, he drew a circle that left me out, heretic, rebel, a thing to flout. But love and I had the wit to win, and we drew a circle that brought him in. And as cutesy as that may sound or trite, I think about this bigger circle that we need to do. And I believe in this profession that we're in. It used to be one where you go from your career to die into personnel or you can't make it in a PL role so we'll stick you into the HR thing. You can't do too much damage there. I think it's transformed and it's more than just a seat at the table that we're looking for as HR professionals, but really saying we need to create different conversations, we need to create different organizations, different relationships, as you mentioned earlier, John, are critical that this connective tissue that we have that needs to expand i be able to, it's a more complicated world and we need more, better responses to that.
0: Well, that's for sure. Uh, you know, it's, it's complicated. We, we have a, an increasingly interconnected, globalized economy. Um, we need to have much more, you know, stronger intercultural um, cross-national competencies. Um, everything's just more complicated. Everything's more messy and more nuanced than it's probably ever been. And, and is not and-
1: awesome. I'm sorry to interrupt you, John, but there's this great quote by George Land who said, growth is making increasingly complex connections. Yeah. And I love that. That stuck with me. And that's, I, I agree with that. The complexity is actually a really good thing because it allows us to get greater growth, but boy, we got to be smart and wise and and truly loving through all this
0: yeah well exactly exactly well, the the, the growth growth comes from the tension right mm-hmm. um growth comes within that realm of of complexity and ambiguity and and nuance in the, in that wrestle um that's that's where we find out more about ourselves and each other that's where we see what we're made of that's where we we learn we make more of those connections and and most innovations happen within that kind of a space, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, it's, it's when we have those organic opportunities to connect, you know, and whether it's us individually making mental connections between uh, different things that have never been connected before or uh, people connecting that have never, have never been connected before. That's, that's where the good stuff happens. And so, yeah, we, we don't need to see the complexity you know, from a lens of fear, we see it from a lens of opportunity.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, John, what, what drew you to this field? What what brought you to the field of people development?
0: Yeah, uh, well, I don't want to bore people too much, but, you know, I, I wrestled, you know, as an undergrad with what I wanted to do, and I, I switched majors four times. And, awesome. and uh, <laughs> and you know, I, I was an accountant, actually. Mm-hmm. I was an accounting major at BYU. Um, great great accounting program Mm -hmm. and I was good at it and I figured, Hey, it's a good program and I'll, I'll have a stable career and you know, whatever. Um, And then I'd served an LDS mission in South Korea. Mm -hmm. So I was minoring in Korean and one day my Korean professor walks in the room and he's like, Hey, who wants to go back to Korea for an internship over the summer? And I didn't even know what it was going to I, yeah, I didn't even know what it was going to be, but I just raised my hand. I'm like, that would be awesome. I wasn't married yet. Um, I did marry young, but I wasn't married yet. And uh, I decided this, this would be awesome. So, so I went back and I, they just put me complete Like it was complete chance, right. Or luck or blessing or whatever. But I ended up um, in the corporate organizational development office for LG electronics in South Korea. And that's all it took like a summer Mm -hmm. of that. And I'm like, I don't want to do accounting. (laughs) So I came back, you know, to BYU and I was, I was um, you know, in, in the Marriott School, but I went and started talking to some of the OB professors mm-hmm. and HR professors. David Charrington was a mentor mm-hmm. of mine, um, and and at the time they didn't actually have an HR undergrad program mm-hmm. or or an uh, anything related to that specifically, mm-hmm. and so they just said go go do social science. So yeah. that's what I did. I, I minored in business. I switched out of accounting. I switched to sociology actually, mm-hmm. and uh, and then I ended up doing, you know, focusing on HR in my master's program. And then I went back to sociology for my PhD. So, I mean, really, I always had this sense that I like to teach. I like to to uh, work with people. Um, I have a very analytical mind, um, but, you know, I like to find ways to translate that over into helping people be more effective. I come from a family of social workers and educators. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I kind of took a slightly different route, but it's, mm-hmm. that's a lot the same also. Um, and, you know, it's just applied in an organizational setting. And so, you know, that's really what drew me in. And, and then the more I got into it, the more I just was fascinated with it. So my real connection with HR originally was organizational development, uh, training mm-hmm. and development. I worked for a couple of years in the, the human resource development office at BYU um, mm-hmm. while I was going through my master's program. And yeah, that that sold me. And so at that point, you know, I, I was doing consulting work. I'd, I'd worked as internal and external consultants uh, with various organizations. Uh, I thought that's what I was going to do full time. But then I decided to go on for a PhD and, and go the professorial route. Um, but it's it's been a passion of mine ever since.
1: That is, Thanks for sharing that, John. That's really inspiring. And it actually... Um, it just, gets me thinking about the, what you mentioned about this inspiration skill. Um, I, I believe everybody has, there's this, I don't know, we call it hidden, maybe neglected capacity to, I, well, let me back up. I believe we running through our bodies right now are uh, radio waves Uh telephone signals the internet all this i worked in telecommunications so i kind of understand how some of this stuff works there are all these waves passing right through our bodies we're not, we're not aware of them and unless you have a device that can pick them up you know telephone or you know a uh, computer etc they just pass through and we're totally unaware of them and i believe there's this other uh, and, and it's metaphorical but there's something i call the light stream that flowing through society And you can call it the collective unconscious people will attribute it to spiritual means and say it's god or the holy ghost or some other uh and i don't really explore with people so much what the source is as much as to acknowledge that there's something there and i've studied quite a bit of uh, innovation and look at how did you know in a lot of medical there's a really interesting book called uh, it's called happy accidents and it's about medical developments and innovation and it's and one hand, kind of scary to think oh all these things like penicillin and others were just accidental and yet on another hand i don't believe they are I really believe there's this, um, and I've studied poetry and music and all kinds of discoveries. What you find is there's, it's not just this flash of inspiration. There's often years of thinking and cultivation to where, as I, as I look at it as a skill, of saying if we grant that there's something like that there, when, you know, like for you, that you happen to be in a place where this professor says, hey, who wants to go to South Korea? And you're going like, hey, I'd I'd do that. And you'd already been there. Uh, probably spoke the language well. I mean, all that, and then you just happen to end up in LG, and it takes your career in a whole different direction than you what you'd planned. Uh, to me, there's there's four steps I often work with with people is saying. The first one is to get open. Is how do you get receptive so that when an opportunity occurs, you can kind of recognize it, and that can take years sometimes to re- you know for it to develop and to recognize it. But like you, as I listen to your career, just at developing it developing to where you're saying, "Hey, you know, I." I thought I'd go this route, and then this came along, and I decided to do this, and this, is, this has been a good answer, uh, but, and there's lots of ways to get open. Uh, but the, the thing that I'm hearing in you, it's just, it's, it's, it, it, there's that receptivity. The second thing is to capture when these thoughts or feelings come to us, and I, they're not just any thoughts, I think. I think just, they tend to be uplifting, and they tend to be others-centered. It's that, where, where can we use these gifts? How can we be a benefit to others, be helpful? And I believe what calls a lot of people into human resources is that kind of desire is that, yes, there can be the interesting complexities of compensation plans or, or design um, succession plans There's certainly analytical space. I don't want to make it sound like, Oh, we only just care about people. Um, But it's, there's um, it's, it's noting those things. And so I've, I've journaled for about 45 years now, started in high school and, that for me has been a good practice. I don't journal every day and I use all kinds of stuff. I write on paper, I'll write on my computer. Um, I use my phone to you know, record things, but it's just a way of being able to capture these ideas and thoughts and feelings as they come to me. The third step I find is around distilling. So I'll go back and review things and uh, kind of look at what, what's what's kind of happening there and even kind of ask out loud, is there more? What What else is happening here? And many times there's a fourth step that's what action, if any, can I take on this? And sometimes I feel almost compelled. You know, it's the thing where you start with, you know, open and boom, go right to act. It's like, I need to do this. I can't have peace until I act on this or do whatever it is. And a, com- a metaphor when I think about is photography and whether it's digital or film, is that, you know, you gotta open up the lens and, but you notice something. It's like appreciative inquiry. is the appreciative eye. What is it you're seeing? But Then you gotta capture the image somehow and then develop it or distill it. And sometimes we'll alter it and to improve it, you know, whether we're using software whatever we might do is to improve what we think that is, but then you got to publish, you got to act on it for others to enjoy and see it or be inspired. So sorry, I got off a, a bit on this inspiration skill, but I hope that's helpful to your listeners today is to heed and to act on those things as they come to us.
0: Yeah, no, I, I really like that. Um, I think, we, we need to quiet our minds. We need to open ourselves up. Um, I like the the camera metaphor. You know, we need to open the aperture of our mind and our vision, right? Um, to, to, to be able to take advantage of all the different opportunities that are put before us. Uh, and, you know, I've had what I would call flashes of inspiration in the past, mm-hmm. but I've also had what I would call the slow burn of inspiration.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, um,
0: you know, where you just, you work on things over time. Mm-hmm. And I, I would say, you know, some of some of the most meaningful things that have happened in my life have been, you know, a decade or more in the making, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and and just that slow consistency can can uh, reap really great benefits. And so I, you know, I, I think, you know, as we talk about uh, inspiration as skill, um, it's, it's, it's also mindfulness, right? As Mm -hmm, a skill. So it's, it's practicing mindfulness, being present in the moment, being, being present with the people you're interacting with when you're there with them. Um, I mean, I think all of that leads to uh, our ability to have that kind of inspiration, regardless of, you know, what one's personal religious beliefs may be Mm -hmm. or metaphysical kind of framings or whatever, Whatever it is, um, you know, I think we can tap into um, that uh, that opportunity to quiet our minds and connect. And that human connection is where the magic happens. Uh, and so I hope I hope people can can look for ways to 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 have those opportunities in their life.
1: Yeah, it, you use a great word here. It's word mind, and I uh, lived in France, and the word in French for mind is esprit, or you know, this was a clothing brand for a while, but it also means spirit. It's kind of interesting. Mind, we often think about our brain, but brain's this organ up inside our skulls, but the mind is more than I think just how we process thoughts. In fact, a lot of neuroscience is saying that we don't just process information up in between our ears, but there's, a neural net throughout our whole body and that we do process things we'll feel it in our gut, but we're actually processing because our nervous system is a network and being able to, again, people have lots of different beliefs around spirit or this essence of people uh, that's more than physical. And being able to tune that in and to be mindful or spiritful in a sense. Uh, and as I look at the great companies I've worked with, the great leaders I've associated with, there is a spirit, there's an ambiance, there's a, there's a, kind of ineffable essence about them and the culture culture is really hard to define and a, a simple definition of like a lot is it's what we do together um and you mentioned social work my mom was a social worker as well and i didn't it was years later after i'd been in hr inside of companies that it kind of struck me it's like i'm doing the same work my mom does only i'm doing this corporate thing i'm doing corporate social work hr and it, i thought it was kind of funny at first but it's like my intent and hers are very similar so you want to help people in the world and to have a better lives and Fulfill their potential, and that was that was kind of a cool connection. So it sounds like you've got some of that in your background as well, John.
0: Yep, yep, I do. Um, well, Barry, it has been a real pleasure talking with you today. Um, you know, I, I think these are all topics that that we should always try to think about and explore, self-reflect on. Um, you mentioned journaling. I think that's one. That's a really just simple um, practice. Um, a simple habit um, to, to that can reap a lot of benefits as we journal as we as we critically self-reflect on um, you know what we're dealing with and the opportunities that we're given um, that can really play uh, pay dividends down the road um, i hope i hope as we move forward that listeners can consider you know uh, what we talked about in terms of inspiration as a skill and in the value of the innate human value of the people around us, uh, within whether it's within organizations, whether it's within our home, in our neighborhoods, whatever, and and hopefully we can find ways as organizational leaders to better um, support those that we work with, um, to be a servant leader like you mm-hmm. referred to earlier, and ultimately help help people fulfill their potential. I think that's what it's what it's all about. Um, Before we close today, Barry, um, I want to give you the last word, and uh, please share with the listeners how they can get connected with you and find out more about what you do.
1: Great. Well, thank you, John. I really appreciate your listening. Uh, There's a Jewish rabbinical phrase that there are ears that open mouths. Uh, I think of that as the true listening invites true speaking. So I feel honored that you want to visit with me today, and I hope something I've shared has been of value to people. Uh, as a coach, one of the things I find is that uh, we already have or we have access to the wisdom we need to gather in our lives and our work very effectively. And I think this inspiration skill helps us access that. And too many times we keep searching for something when we really have a lot of these answers already. And like you say, it's to be mindful and quiet ourselves and to just be with it and let and, and be open you know and not closed because when we close ourselves off to others we also close ourselves off from our true selves it's to be human is to be in relationship healthy trusting relationships so best way to contact me is um uh just my name barry b-a-r-r-y Rellaford, r-e-l-l-a-f-o-r-d barry Rellaford at mac.com m-a-c uh is just people send me an email and I'd love to visit and see if there's anything I can share that be useful. I am working on a book on inspiration as a skill. It may not be the title, but I'm making some good progress on it, but hope to publish that. either late this year or early next year, but uh, we're glad to visit, see if there's anything I can do that would be helpful to others.
0: Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you, Barry. It's been a real pleasure you, talking with you today. Um, I hope listeners will reach out to Barry, find out more, you know, about what he's doing, get connected on LinkedIn you know, um, and and check out the work that he's doing. Uh, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe that everyone can continue to find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope everyone has a great week. Thank you.
1: Thank you, John.
0: We are excited to announce the launch of Human Capital Innovation's new e-magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free, interactive e-magazine with the mission to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We will be publishing issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. We hope you'll check out our first issue And please let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.